Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to Reflections from the Heart. I'm Tom DeAngelis. I'm here with Art O'Day today and uh, just the two of us. So we're going to have to make do, but we have uh, we have a shortened version of the Passion today. So it'll, that'll take up some of our time. Um, to uh, just to get you started, for those of you that are that have not joined us before, we read the gospel and then we um, let the Holy Spirit come to us and inspire some reflection on the story that we read. Today's gospel will be, or actually for Sunday, will be from Mark chapter 15, verses 1 to 39. And to get us started, I'd like to use a prayer from. Uh, It's from page 21 of our Stewardship of Prayer book, which is available through our website. And also you can call our office and uh, and request uh, as many copies as you need where they're available to you uh, to help inspire your prayer life. So this is a prayer for abandonment. It's by Charles de Foucault. Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you do, I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Let your will be done in me and in all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O O Lord. Into your hands I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love of my heart. For I love you, Lord, and so need to give myself, to surrender myself into your hands without reserve and with boundless confidence. For you are my Father. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, Son, of the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And uh, Art, would you like to kick us off with the gospel here? I would be very honored to. Um, You know, before before we begin... you, we were reflecting a little bit on on Charles and mm-hmm. um, how how we oh, heard yeah. his life story yeah. and, and that man is is you and I, I'll put a plug in for that men's um, group uh, they meet in, in some of the churches in the diocese and it's if a, if a man is interested in in becoming more authentically Catholic and more authentically uh, uh, you know committed to his book uh, his, his vocation uh, it's it's a great program you know Charles lived. The passion. I mean, uh, I won't go through his whole story because I, I we have a very long reading. But think about it. Yeah, you're out in the desert. Okay, you're among people who don't want to hear the word of Christ. Okay, and I'm not sure he converted anybody. You know, think of Jesus hanging on the cross, having gone through three years of preaching. You know, the love of the Father, the coming of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, showing that he is the Messiah and being rejected like that. You know, yeah. so it's it's a it's a very appropriate prayer. So I uh, thank yeah. you, Tom. Anyways, we're reading from Mark. So if you have your Gospels, we're going to be in uh, chapter fifteen, and we're going to be reading verses one through thirty-nine. So as Tom said, this is a, a short version of of what you will hear at Sunday Mass. As soon as morning came, the chief priests with the elders and the scribes—that is, the whole Sanhedrin—held a council. 
They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Pilate questioned him, Are you the king of the Jews? He said to him in reply, You say so. The chief priests accused him of many things. Again, Pilate questioned him, Have you no answer? See how many things they accuse you of. Jesus gave him no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Now on the occasion of the feast, he used to release to them one prisoner whom they requested. A man called Barabbas was then in prison along with the rebels who had committed murder in a rebellion. The crowd came forward and began to ask him to do for them what he was accustomed. Pilate answered, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? for he knew that it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed him over. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release Barabbas for them instead. Pilate again said to them in reply, Then what do you want me to do with the man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted again, Crucify him! Pilate said to him, Why? What evil has he done? They only shouted the louder, Crucify him! So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas to them. After he had Jesus scourged, handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is, the praetorium, and assembled the whole cohort. They clothed him in purple, weaving a crown of thorns, placed it on him. They began to salute him with, Hail, King of the Jews, and kept spitting his on his head and striking him with a reed. They knelt before him in homage, and when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak, dressed him in his own clothes, and led him out to crucify him. They pressed into service passers-by, Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. They brought him to the place of Golgotha, which is translated place of the skull. They gave him wine drugged with myrrh, but he did not take it. Then they crucified him and divided his garments by casting lots for them to see what each should take. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. With him they crucified two revolutionaries, one on his right and one on his left. Those passing by reviled him, shaking their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself by coming down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests with the scribes mocked him among themselves and said, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also kept abusing him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three o'clock, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders who heard it said, Look, he is calling Elijah. One of them ran, soaked a sponge with wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. Jesus gave a loud cry 
and breathe his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Kind of a long gospel for such yeah. a short show, yeah. but it's it's so jam-packed with, with meaning. Um, mm. You know, one of the things I was thinking about, I know we, we were going to get into what, what we had discussed yesterday when with our little gospel reflection group, but, you know, what, what struck me as I was reading it this time was the people were tempting Jesus to come down from the cross to show himself who he was. Mm-hmm. We're kind of like back in the beginning of Lent when the devil was tempting him in the desert. Oh, yeah. Show, yeah. show me who you are, yeah. you know. Uh, save you know uh, save yourself from hunger by by turning these stones into bread you know worship me and I'll give you I'll give you everything on earth so forth and so on and the people are tempting him you know to be something other than he is mm-hmm. um, it's kind of a kind of an amazing yeah. thing yeah I I, um, I remember um, years ago reading. Um, back, uh, I think back when I was teaching high school, I read a book by Frank Sheed, who's a famous, you know, from the back in the 1900s, a famous Catholic uh, author and publisher. And he wrote about the temptations, and it was a reflection somebody had pulled out for Lent. And um, it said that, you know, the, the devil didn't tempt Jesus with those things just um, because he really thought he was going to, he, he didn't know who he was. And C.S. Lewis talks about this a little bit in the screw tape letters, or he, he, he kind of puts the, de- the, de- the demons there, the devils, as they can't, they, they can't quite see what's going on in heaven. They can't quite get the strategy, you know, because mm-hmm. it's love. Right. And, and it doesn't make sense to them. They, they just can't. And whenever they get close to a saint or somebody holy or there's angels around or something like that, this stench fills, you know, <laughs> they, they, they are repulsed. They just have to move away from it. And so I've often thought about this, this part of the, you know, uh, they they were tempting Jesus in a sense that it wasn't really a temptation. So so back to the Frank Sheed point, he said it wasn't really uh, it wasn't really that he thought he was going to get this guy. He wasn't sure who this person was, and so he did, you know, one of the flesh, one of you know of pride and one of um, worldly goods. Just to kind of test and probe to see who is this guy, you know, what what is it, what's he doing here, and I think in some ways they are doing the same thing here, and I don't know that it really presents itself as a temptation so much as an opportunity for a greater manifestation of who this person is. Not so much to the demons because they don't really get it anyway, mm-hmm. but really for us. And so yeah. when we look at this, the fact. And then so um, all this kind of comes together when you listen to – there's a Scott Hahn um, CD that's out on our our stewardship racks where he talks about, you know, Jesus did more by staying on the cross and dying than if he would have popped the nails out and – come off of the cross in glory and kind of called everybody out on what on what mm-hmm. had, they had done to him. Mm-hmm. He did more by suffering and right. dying than he could have done by flexing his divinity muscles a little bit, sure. you know, and kind of scaring people off. So it's really the essence of the whole passion, as you kind of got, got us started here, that the humility and the death really defines not only who Jesus is, 
but what kind of relationship God wants to have with us. Right. And then when you reflect on that, I mean, that's a good thing to take to Good Friday, you know, this week. It's a wonderful th- th- yeah. thing to take to Good Friday. You're absolutely right. You know, I, I, you know, as you were talking, what popped into my mind, what is, what is the one thing that all of us are the most afraid of? It's death. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, we don't know, you know, we, we hope, you know, we, we, we hope in, in, in Christ's death and resurrection, you know, we hope in the redemption, you know, um, you know, but really deep down inside, we're afraid of it. You know, these people were, were afraid of death you know, just like us. And, you know, and, and they were tempting Christ to, you know, to, to come down from the cross to divide death by living. But just like you're saying, you know, what, what, what is it that redeemed us? Right. It was, it was, it was the blood of the cross. Right. You know, um, you know, the, the resurrection is, is, is the prize. I mean, it, you know, eternal life is the prize. But what do we got to do? We have to follow Jesus through the cross, right. you know. Right. And and you know, we we during Lent are are asked by the church to you know to reflect on the last things, you know, the last things you know is you know uh, death, judgment, you know, and to reflect on these things and to prepare ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, for the three last things, you know, death, judgment, heaven, and hell, you know, and we all want to go to heaven, you know. But you know Matthew twenty five kind of like puts a little uh, put a nail on that coffin, so to speak, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but you know, so so to follow Jesus, uh, you know, into death, um, you know, you know, which which kind of like brings me full circle to what we were reflecting on yesterday about the centurion. You know, how, how how could a centurion be standing there watching a guy die an ignominious death, and just mm-hmm. turn around and say, surely he must be the son of God? Right. I mean, you know. Uh, why? Why would he say that, Tom? I mean, do you have any ideas on that? I mean, it's like something I've often pondered. Well, you you had called something out in the reading yesterday that I thought was very insightful, because a lot of times we overlook not, not we get so fascinated with the what that we forget about the how. Uh-huh. And the way that the the scripture actually reads, at least the translation we're working with, is a centurion who stood there in front of Jesus, saw how he died. Oh, uh-huh. Not that he died or who he was, but how he died. And I, I, it could have been translated um, probably several different ways, but if that's the most accurate meaning, then the method, the means, the way that he died, you know, the that's the thing that impressed this person because... You know, in contrast, to just kind of fill out, you say, well, what was so different about the way that he died versus the way other people died? Well, here's a guy who's is a centurion. I'm sure he's presided over dozens, if not maybe hundreds, mm-hmm. maybe even thousands of people right. being executed on the cross and, and in other various ways. Sure. And for him to be impressed by the way that somebody died means something pretty special. And it's one of those things that's kind of buried in the text there and until somebody, you know, gets the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't really come out. But it really, that's another area that I think bears reflection from the Passion. It is, what is it about the way that he died that touched the centurion and had him say, surely this man was the son of God? And these are people for whom the son of God was Caesar. 
Mm -hmm. You know, Caesar was right. the son of God for Romans, mm -hmm. and that was they whether they believed it or not is another thing. But they definitely had to profess it because the consequences were mm -hmm. not good, mm -hmm. especially if you're in the army. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. Somebody had made that made the comment yesterday too that you know the the centurion was not you know was was not just anybody. I mean, he had at least a hundred men under him. You know, he right. had a century. You know, right. of, of men. You know, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, this this is a guy that probably presided. Um, over many crucifixions, and if his if his men failed in battle, he was the one that picked out the ten men to decimate. Right. You know, because when right. they lost, one tenth of your men, you know, or you know, had to be had to had to be killed. Right. You know, as a lesson that you will not fail. Right. right. So I mean, this was a guy that 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 knew how to kill. It was it was a man that you know knew um, how to how to please his superiors. Mm -hmm. But still, he made a profession of faith. Yeah. You know, he made a profession of faith. Surely this man was the son of God. Right. I mean, Jesus, Jesus, think about it. Jesus is the only, only um, uh, person, you know, that, that founded a church that claims to be God. Mm -hmm. You know, right. over and over again, you'll read, in the, you'll read in the Gospels, he'll use the word I am. You know, I am, I am, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, it's, but in John's gospel, it's all through there. Yeah. All through there, yeah. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, and, and so for, there, there was something in how he died. You're absolutely right. What was it? Was it the words? I mean, we don't have all the words in this because this is a, a shortened mm -hmm. uh, version, you know, of the, of the gospel. Um, you know, we don't, we don't have the, all of the seven last words. Uh, and maybe it was the words, you know, maybe it was... The dignity with which he died. Maybe it was he didn't curse his mm -hmm. his captors. You know, maybe it was you know he was true to what he believed. Maybe the centurion, you know, had had heard what he had taught, and the way he died, mm -hmm. he died by living what he said to the end. You know, yeah. he he as we like to say, he didn't just talk the talk; he walked the walk. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and maybe that was it. But so, if we follow, if we if we ponder the, I guess the the last things, um, you know, how we die is going to mean everything when it comes to judgment. Right. Yeah. It, well, you know, too. Um, as you were going through the last words of Jesus, I thought also. I mean, one of the things he said, it wasn't just that he didn't curse those who were persecuting him and crucifying him. He actually forgave them. And, mm -hmm. and you know, again, I think one of the precious things about the, the you know, the, the seven last words, if you will, the seven phrases of Jesus that came out of his mouth, when you understand kind of the mechanics of crucifixion, that it, in order to speak, you have to pull yourself up. Now, in Jesus's case, it was on—it was nails in his feet, nails in his arms, in his hands, and uh, wrists, I should say. Hey, you pull yourself up, take a breath, and then speak. <laughs> you know, and it's like it's like a superhuman effort. Mm -hmm. But to pull myself up and do that, and then speak words of forgiveness to those who have crucified them. And not just, and I, this, this is not my own thought, but I remember reading this. He didn't just forgive. He made an excuse for them. You know, he right. said, don't, look, they don't know what they're doing. Don't hold it again. They have no idea what they're doing. Don't father, don't hold it against them. So not only, and that's, you know, probably the most profound who knows that the centurion wasn't touched by that? Who knows that of all the people he ever executed, who cursed him, who who hated him, who, 
you know, who, who, who would have murdered him if they could have gotten their hands on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's a guy that they horribly abused and mistreated, ridiculed, made fun of him, you know, drug him up the hill, probably pushed him, punched him. And he's hanging up there dying and he forgives them. Right. You know, where and how that, you know, if that in and of itself, upon reflecting now, if that didn't define this death as being dramatically different. Um, and, I, and I think, too, you know, we look back on this and, you know, we, you and I, you know, we, we grew up in the Catholic faith. So we've heard this story every, you know, every Palm Sunday, every Good Friday, Good Friday. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, for years and probably have read it a few times ourselves. But to be able to read you read this again and realize that it's, this isn't just another death. This is a unique death, so much so that a centurion who is a is totally isn't involved in his faith at all, doesn't understand what the Son of God means in the context of the Israelites and the Hebrew people, Jewish people, could look at this person and say, this guy is at least as good as Caesar. <laughs> you know, really? In terms of, mm-hmm. yeah, because that was that was a title for, for and this is one of the reasons why the early Christians had such trouble. They wouldn't profess Caesar as God. They said, you know, Jesus was was the son of God, not Caesar. And so here's a guy who, who basically speaks Roman heresy because of what he observed in this execution, which is part of his job. He does this all the time. Yeah, think think about it. You know, I mean, it's just what you're saying. I mean, the centurion probably put his life on the line by what he said. I mean, if they crucified Jesus because he, you know because uh, he claimed to be king of the Jews, or you know, people thought of him that way. Imagine this guy saying that he was the son of God, not the son of yeah. Caesar, but the son of God. Yeah. You know, I mean, he he put his life on the line. Yeah. Well, and two, uh, this this came up. Uh, the other day when we were talking also, and I think it's uh, it bears, you know, repetition is that this is a centurion, as you pointed out, and this is a guy that, you know, he, he's in a position of authority in the Roman army, but it was also a centurion who went to Jesus and asked that his trusted servant be healed. And even that Jesus not necessarily need to come to his house and not need to go under his roof because he understood authority. He understood how this stuff works. And Jesus said, and I'll never forget this because I remember when we reflected on this during Gospel Reflection, it kind of hit me. It was like he said, I have not found such faith in all of Israel, you know, all of all, all of Judea. Um, so of all the Jewish people who should have been faithful, here's one guy who doesn't, who's not even part of our faith, right. who really doesn't get what we're talking about right. anyway. And this guy understands how this thing works. You know, that I am sent by the Father, and the Father has given me, you know, the power and the, and the glory to, to do these things. And so and, and so here's another, you know, maybe they knew each other. Maybe word had gotten around. Maybe, you know, I think you even pointed out the other day, maybe it's the same centurion. Right. Know, that, that had his servant healed who saw the workings of Jesus or got wind of it through, you know— uh, a compatriot who is in a different part of the country or whatever. But I think it's, it's, it's important and it bears, you know, it does bear reflection. And this is something that will probably stick with me all of Holy Week and, and something I'll probably reflect on on Good Friday just because of this moment of death is so, is so important. You know, I, you know, as you were talking too, you know, um, how important this is, um, 
uh, I, I know you. I know you um, uh, do the liturgy of the hours, and it's mm-hmm. it's been um, in in the long readings and the in the office of readings. Um, uh, recently, it's been the uh, the Paul's epistle to the Hebrews. The Hebrews, yeah. And um, I, I I I had to read something. I I, I had to go to chapter seven. I, I had to read the whole thing about the mm-hmm. the high priesthood of Christ. Um, you know, you you were saying that there was something different about this crucifixion, right? I'm sure I'm sure other people were hung on a cross. I'm sure other people suffered nails. Um, I'm sure nobody suffered the, uh, the the scourging the way that Christ had the scourgings. I mean, you know, I, I mean I attended the um, you know the presentation on the Shroud of Turin last year and he's mm-hmm. coming again in May um, to to the Diocese of Harrisburg. Um, he had pointed out that you know that the the shroud itself shows that Jesus had over ninety whips mm. uh, with the with the scourge. Uh, you know the um, the standard Roman the worst one that was supposed to be um, handed out in scourging was forty less one thirty nine and he suffered over mm. ninety. I don't know if it was ninety six or ninety eight, um, but uh, it, clearly it shows you know in in the shroud. Um, you know, but you know, you 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 have a you have a high priest here, according to the uh, the book of Hebrews. Um, you know, uh, think about it. Who was hanging on the cross? You know, it, it's a reflection on the nature of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, I I have a friend that you know he says you know if somebody claims to be a Christian, the first word out of his mouth, well, do you believe that Jesus is God? You think mm-hmm. about that. You know, um, you know, if they say no, then he says, well, how can you call yourself a Christian? Right. You know, I mean, think about it. You know, in, in the doctrine on, on, on the nature of Christ, he's both God and man. Both God and man hung on that cross together. Yeah. Well, and I, as we draw to the end of this, uh, is this of this time, um, I just, uh, as I mentioned several times as we were talking, uh, you know, this is a, this is a kickoff to Holy Week, um, probably the, ho- the well, the holiest week of uh, of our Christian calendar. And uh, as you move through the week, and you're, you'll be exposed to other scriptures and other gospels, um, but we'll also you'll revisit this again. And now it'll be John's Gospel on Good Friday because that's traditional, but uh, and it's got more personal detail in it. But but do take some time during the week, uh, Holy Thursday night and Good Friday, to reflect on. The mystery that's before us, and the the importance of what of what happened here, and uh, and what and the gift, the great gift that we've been given, it is uh, is something very special. Uh, and this is, you know, as we have often said, I've heard many times from the pulpit too. This is the holiest week of the year. It's also the the whole capstone of our faith around the death and resurrection of Jesus, and it really makes puts our lives into perspective and makes some sense out of who we are and what we're doing for Christ. So with that, we'll leave you. And um, I pray that you'll have a great Holy Week and a great Easter. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups.
or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.